Those of you who were here last time can uh, testify to how amazing it was to have Vince bring the word. And uh, on this theme of intimacy, I said this last time, but Vince is truly a man who walks with the Lord as a friend. And the revelation that he speaks out of is from the quiet place and connecting deeply with the Lord and giving us a piece of the food that he's gotten from the Lord that's nourished him. So I'm really excited to invite Vince up to come and share the word. Come on up, man. Thank you. Hello. 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 I got a lot of gear today. It's going to be super special. Handkerchief. Handkerchiefs are just important. Got a Bible, a notepad, an iPad. It has a chew-proof holder on it because my daughter eats everything. She's a turned one. She's walking since the last time I was here. And she today was in her crib, and we, we heard her get quiet, and my wife went in, and she had a mouthful of wood that she had chewed off the side of the crib. Awesome. She's awesome. I'm so proud of her. So, so proud of her. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, all right. I feel really privileged to be here today. I, this was different than last time. Um, I, I want to honor the worship team that was here. I don't know where you are here around, but um, whoever wrote that song, the new song that you introduced to us, raise your hand. Are you here? Where are you? Did they leave? Did they, did they sing and run? Is that possible? <laughs> they didn't get this mic, so they were frustrated. They're like, that's, that's the premium mic. That's the A-game mic. We didn't get that one. Anyway, I, we just want to honor them. They'll hopefully listen to this. But there, there's something um, special because sometimes God writes songs. Most of the time, we write songs. But sometimes the Holy Spirit gets really deeply involved with what comes out of a person. Sometimes it's in song form, poem form, speech form, what you do at your job. There's moments where he really takes over. Um, and, and I feel like that's one of those songs where he really had a deep imprint on what came out of their heart. And, and I really, really appreciate that because it doesn't just happen because you happen to be in the right place in the right time. It happens because you, you're yielded in that moment at a really like low level. And sometimes it's hard to get there. It takes time. And I just honor you. Whoever wrote that and those of you who participated in putting that together, I just honor you. It's really, really good. Really, really good. Um, I want to pray. I want to pray. I'm going to be a little more mellow today on purpose um, because there's something really special. I I was crying in Pete's coffee while while preparing for today, and that's that's fun, right? (laughs) Like this lady was next to me with her daughter, and she's like watching me. And she's like, yeah, she's too, like talking to me, like trying to help me through my moment. <laughs> you want to talk to my daughter? It'll make you feel better. <laughs> I was like, thank you. <laughs> it's got a really tough talk coming up, and I'm really stressed out about it. So, not really. We're good. Father, we love you. Uh, we love you so much. Uh, we love you because you've chosen to come meet with us today. We felt your presence in worship, and Jesus, we, our hearts saw you. When our hearts see you, God, it, it opens the door to possibility that really breaks through the barriers of the cir- circumstances and situations we're in. And Father, I feel like some of our hearts saw you tonight. And when we see you, we feel hope. When we see you, we, we get excited. Sometimes we get scared. And most of all, we get stirred, God. Our emotions are touched. Our, our hearts are touched. And I just, I honor you, Jesus. And I just say we want to see you. We want to experience you on a deeper level. We want you to come closer to us today. By the end of this time together, we want to feel like we've encountered you on a deeper level than we've ever encountered you before. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. We invite you in a a more rich way than you're already here. We know you're here. We want more of your presence in this room. We invite your angels into this room. We just invite all that you would send, heaven, to come and encounter us. And we just lay aside all of our agendas and our hopes. And Father, we just say, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts. 
Plant seeds in us that will grow and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, I just really feel God's presence in a kind of a neat way because I haven't for a while in this measure, and it's kind of special for me. Sometimes we go through seasons where it's like we're doing all the right things, and we're like, God, are you still looking at Northern America? Because I feel like you're nowhere near me on this continent. Like, are you focused on China right now? Like, I'll wait till the, the, the world rotates back around. But I'm here, and I'm looking for you, and I, I want to experience you again like I had that one time before, or, or to the degree I really feel like I need to to get through the season I'm in. And, and sometimes God knows, and he's like, all right, <laughs> you get one today. And I just I feel like I'm getting one today. So you guys hang out and watch. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. I just, I needed it, you know? I needed it. And it's good. Um, we're going to look at Psalms 131. If you're going to open that up, you can do that. I'm going to talk to you about David a little bit. I'll talk to you about Jesus a little bit. And hopefully I'll talk to you about you a little bit as well. Before we start reading that, that passage, I, just, I, wanted, I want you to think about the person of David. David, King David of the Old Testament. Um, he followed Saul. Saul was the, the man anointed king. And there's a prophet during that time, his name's Samuel, and Samuel's the prophet for the nation of Israel. So he's like the official voice of God for a whole people group in an era. It's different these days, but in those days, that's the way God chose to dole it out. He's like, if I'm going to talk to you in a really official manner, it's going to come through that guy. There's other ways he always communicates to his people, but this was like the, the official stamp of all stamps. So David's young. By the time we start our story, he's a young guy. He's a boy. I don't know what boy means to you. Maybe it's 10, 12, 14. He's a, he's a young guy, and he works out with the sheep, not too flamboyant, not too special of a career path that he's on at this point. He's the youngest of many brothers, and Samuel decides to show up at his house one day because God tells him, go pick out the next king. They all get prepared. You guys know the story. Let's fast forward a little bit. David's chosen. He's what they called anointed by God. So Samuel comes to David and he says, this is the one. You're the one, God, big God, creator of all heaven and earth, chose to lead this people for a significant amount of your life and for a significant purpose in the kingdom of Israel. Put yourself in David's shoes for a moment. You're a young guy. Before this moment, you were thinking, I'll take care of the sheep. I'll find a wife. I'll have some kids. I won't get eaten by lions. I won't get eaten by bears. I'll do my thing. It's a, it's a simple, simple, uh, subsistence-style, agrarian-style life. Your vision and dream for yourself is not heroic. It's not extraordinary. You're not the alien that was sent to the world to save it. You are just a very small piece of a very big pie. But there's this moment in David's life where Samuel shows up and he says, no, there's a huge dream that not only is in your heart that I'm awakening, but it's in God's heart for you. So in that moment, a, a mountain of expectation of excitement, of purpose, of destiny, was just infused into this young man. The problem is he was a young man. He was a young man. And that destiny and that purpose was not for that moment. It was for the entirety of his life. But the meat of it, the bulk of the fulfillment of that call, that anointing that is fulfilled so that he could become and do was really not for these years. It was for these years. So there's this period before we get to these years that are curious, just curious. I'll say curious because I feel like the way that God works with humanity is loaded 
with so many problems if you're on the human side of the equation. If you're God, he's just feeling good. I mean, he's, he's totally content. If you're Jesus, like during that worship set and that song came on, and he was so happy. He was so happy with what was going on in that moment. But if you're God and Jesus right now, you're, you're, you're good. You're not concerned or stressed out about the in-between time between the fulfillment of that one person that you've anointed. You're, you're seeing the whole thing. You know how it's all going to go. And you're excited. And you're content. And you're, you're full of good emotions towards the life of this person who you've just given such a promotion to. But if you're David, there's a problem. If you're David, there's a problem. Because it wasn't a problem before you knew you were going to be king that someone else was king. It definitely wasn't a problem that you were tending sheep every day because that's just what your family did. No one had filled your mind with the idea that you have this great purpose and unless you did exactly what this purpose involves, if you, unless you played all nine innings that they told you you were going to play, it just wouldn't be right. You didn't even know there was a game to be played. You weren't on the bench. You weren't in the stands. You were trying to play basketball, and the, the baseball playoffs are going on. You're like, I'm just a basketball player. Good luck, Giants. <laughs> you need it. You need it. Oh, don't. We, I know. We're all on the same team. We're rooting for Bumgarner. Tomorrow, right? All right. There's, there's no question. But there's a problem. Because all of a sudden, he has tremendous hope and expectation. And then there is this timeline that begins to tick. Your brothers feel a little different about you. You somehow find your way into the, the palace because you're a good musician, because you befriend Jonathan, because Saul decides he wants someone like you around. And then somehow you stumble into this thing with Goliath and you've got courage. You've got all this stuff going on and all of it in your mind feels like, man, we're going in the right direction. I just, I affected a battle for the nation when I was just supposed to be a water boy. But I know I did it because I'm anointed to be king. See, there's godly purpose on my life. So that's why I have this talent and this gift. Hopefully you're starting to make some connections with yourself right now because when God looks at you, he has the same kind of hope and expectation and joy and excitement as he did for David. He's like, this guy has skills. This girl has talent. This young man is strong, and he's going to lead. This woman will break the curses that has been on her family. She will break the strongholds that have haunted her family for so long. God looks at you and he says, amazing, when should I let her know? Because once I let her know, here comes the process. She's been notified, but she's been notified about this. So sometimes God just holds off. Sometimes we don't know we're anything until something happens and then we're like, wow, I'm special. And God's like, good job, come on home, you're dead. All right, and everyone's like, great life. <laughs> <laughs> like, great life, but no, no thought involved. There's no, like, internal turmoil. There was just like, wow, what a great life. You, you feel like your friends are that way, but they're not. They're just like you. They're just like me. They have hope stirring inside of them that they'll amount to, they'll become, they'll do, they'll fulfill. It's all in there because they're God's creation. When he creates us, he puts that stuff in there. He put that stuff in David before Samuel showed up. Samuel shows up to notify him of God's plan that was already in action before David was born. So, God's, so Samuel shows up with divine inspiration and says, See, it's there. I'm telling the world now because the world's destined to listen to me. It's there. He's the one. You're the one. You're supposed to do more. And not more in a condemning way, more in an awesome way. More in a, wow, I could really be a part of that much. I could really be that important. Yep, yep, yep. No question. Well, I feel terrible. Eh, not part of it. I don't care how you feel. It doesn't matter. That's in you. It's in you. So, so go back to David. 
We're still here. We're not here yet. We're here. There's this process of curiousness, curiosity, strange behavior by God. That's the way I like to put it. Because David's doing everything in his power to fulfill the promise. And what is he faced with? You guys need to know that story. It's a, it's, a, it's a Sunday school story. But Saul goes nuts. Saul comes after him. And David is sent into the wilderness to save his life, really. He's forced to flee the kingdom that he was destined to, to lead. And he was like buddies with all the leaders. And all of a sudden, he's out in the wilderness trying to fend for his life. And there's this moment. And this moment where he's out there where he's out there. That's what I want to focus on today. Because he's out there in the wilderness, not by his choice. And it's not even about being in the wilderness that we're going to talk about in, in, in focus, really. We're, we're really talking about this moment that happens when he's out there, on his own, him in his heart, asking this question of, God, will you come? See, God, you promised that we would do something spectacular. You promised that life was amazing. You say, well, look out in nature. Look out that window. Look at how beautiful you are. Look at that tree. It shows how glorious and and amazing. But I live in the projects. You know, I eat eat spam if I'm Hawaiian. It's, It's a bad menu that I've got every day. But look how beautiful you are. Look how glorious the sunrise is. Look how amazing the mountains are. Look how beautiful the bay is. Aren't we supposed to be in awe of this awesome, powerful God that created everything? But it's strange because the same God that sent this call upon me, this, put this thing inside of me that said, don't be satisfied with where you're at. He's the same God that's not doing anything when I'm out here in the wilderness. When I'm in this in-between season. I'm going to be really practical for two seconds and I'll go back. Okay, you have a, a degree in something. You can't get a job in that field. How long does that take? You really love art, but you are a mathematician by trade. You really love kids, but you are barren. Barren's an Old Testament word. We don't like that one, but basically you can't have kids right now because you don't have a husband. How about that? Ooh. Huh? <laughs> These are like really practical things, right? It's not about like leading, a, leading the United States of America as president, like David was destined to do. It's about like, no, I have, a, I have something inside of me that I know is, is part of God's idea for me, but I can't seem to get from here to here. And so what begins to, to, to stir is a confrontation. You say, well, no, 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 I love God. God's everything. He saved me. But if you're honest, if there's truth in you, there's a, there's a, there's a wrestling that starts to, like, go. Involuntary frustration. Like, involuntarily, like, uh, I love you, God. Uh, and pretty soon it's, uh. I was golfing the other day, and this lady, every time, every time she put and missed, she'd go, uh. And I, I like, so she's got that in her, you know, like she's supposed to be a better putter. It would just freak me out a little bit. Like, and literally for 18 holes, she was like, Arr. and I looked at her husband and he wouldn't say anything. Like, I'm not going to make a joke out of this one. Not a good moment. But if I'm honest and I got, I, I have, I have hopes for myself. Let's just make it real simple. There's a, there's a, uh, distaste. Uh, uh, I don't understand you, God. There's a, uh, are you really here? Am I sinning? What is the problem? What's going on? And eventually, you're faced with this moment. How do you respond to a promise of destiny that came from heaven, that's deep inside of you, that God has done nothing but provoke and stir up every time you're around him, but a reality of disconnection from that thing? What do you do with God during that season of disconnection? Because here's my thought. There's the practical, right? There's the practical career, family, 
normal life stresses that we experience here in the Bay Area, just in, in humanity in general. But then there's this other promise, fulfillment, and all the expectation before and after that seems to be happening with Christians in general around issues like healing, around deliverance, around salvations with our families, around power. When Jesus says this thing, you'll do things that were greater than me. What does that mean? Um, when he's like, it's good that I take off because the Holy Spirit will be with you guys. And you guys, will, it'll be way better from here on in. Look at the history. Pretty soon there's like persecution. There's, there's, it, gets, it gets rough. It gets ugly. So there's this, this theme in humanity, if you will, but I really feel like it's a tangible question for us now if we want to engage with the God that decided to show up during worship and go further into the promise that he has for our generation and see really amazing God kingdom life show up through our hands. There's this, this question mark, this curiosity, this turning point that we have to make a decision about engaging with if we want to go forward and get to this thing and let it go. All right, so we go to Psalms 131. I even got scripture this time to back up what I'm talking about. It's crazy. <laughs> I promise I read this thing. I promise. You know, I, I have, I've, I've loved doing this forever, but I'm not one of those guys that just has scripture like pouring out of them. And I'll, I'll, I know all the stories, and I'll, but it's not here, but it shows up when I need it. And so I was just like, oh, God, like, Give me a new mind to where I really like, and like it, there's some people that it's like they'll just talk and this thing comes out of them, right? And I'm, I'm always like, why? Oh, I need to memorize more scripture. And like, <laughs> you know, like I just need more. It's like, Calm down, Vince. <laughs> just fine. Just fine. All right. I'm going to read this and then I'm going to explain why it's relevant. But let me get through the whole thing. Psalms 131. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. It's a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm worth memorizing, <laughs> if you want to give that a shot. Um, it's beautiful because it's unlike a lot of other psalms. A lot of other psalms have emotion all over the place. They've got like, God, do you exist? God, you're the best ever. And it's like beginning and end. <laughs> like you're, you read the whole thing and you're like, what just happened? I, I can't, none of this flows. I can't, it's not logical. Like how does David get from he's the best, my enemies are going to kill me, let's kill all the enemies, we killed them all. God's the, God's the worst, and I'm sad. Like, it's, it's emotional. It's all over the place. It's, it's not linear. This one is super simple by comparison. Super simple. And it talks about the centerpiece of what I feel like we all have to get clarity on as Christians. It talks about the soul. It says this in verse 2. It says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Uh, this is what I want to talk about today. Calming and quieting your soul. What's a soul? That's a complicated question. I'm not really going to answer it, but I'll give you some kind of general ideas. Other translations say myself. Like, that's an easy out. I calmed and quieted myself. <laughs> like, oh, cool. Good translation. So just make it as general as possible so you're not really worried about what that word means, soul. Um, soul is often defined as mind, will, and emotions. But then you got a problem because Jesus says you should love the, God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So there's three different things. Um, it just gets confusing. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. If you guys are, do it. Just do it. Do it hard. Go. Just, <laughs> just go. But for our purposes today, let's talk about like 
what's going on in here. I like the mind, will, and emotions definition. It's tangible to me. So let's go back to David for a second. Remember the promise. Remember the fulfillment when it starts and the in-between. And now let's think about soul for a second. Mind, will, and emotions. Uh, Who you are on the inside. When Jesus talks to people, he's always talking about the heart. I feel like this is is some kind of blended way of saying what, what is inside of you is the most important thing. When you talk to God, when you talk to Jesus, he's not talking about all the exterior stuff. He's talking about the interior life, whether that's in your mind or your heart. That's gray matter to me. I don't really get it. But wherever that is, that's the thing God is always concerned with, okay? Where does that come from in you? Who are you before you meet Christ? You have a a mind, will, and emotions. You have something that is the construct of who you are. And I would argue that it's not just you. It's not just that you're born and you exist as an infant and all of it's accumulated through the course of your life. Like your whole identity is given to you over the course of your life through experience. I feel like it's generational. I feel like you're the construct of your father and your mother. And you're also the construct of their parents. And you're probably the construct of their parents before them. You're the product of multiple generations of people going way, way back. And as you look at the Bible, the story of the Old and New Testament, the way that God relates to man, he's always talking in in terms of a longer story. And it always relates to fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So when he speaks to you, he's speaking to the full version of you that, that has to do with what your parents are, who they were, what their parents are and who they were. The generational choices, good and bad, all of who they are is in you. So when God says, says I promise that you will do these things, he's really sometimes speaking to you as in your children, their children. There's a long story that you're stepping into when you step into the the Christ and the God mode of how he looks at the world. That's an awesome thing. That can, we could talk about that forever, but there's also this challenge that comes with that. Because remember, we have a purpose and a destiny. We have a calling and, and, and an idea of what we want to be, but we have all of these challenges to face before we get to do it. And oftentimes we find that God is silent and we are loud. We're loud. So, I'm going to give you a quick picture. David's standing on a mountain in the desert. It's very lonely and barren in the, in the wilderness of Israel. It's, it's a really desert-like place. And he's fleeing for his life. And he's remembering the promise over his life. And he's remembering the God who made that promise. And he's saying, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who created the world, You're, you promised that I would be king, but I'm running from the now king. You promised that I would, I would deliver our nation into a more prosperous place, but I'm alone in the wilderness. Where are you? Where are you? And in his heart, these, these voices start to well up. His soul the construct of generations of both promise and goodness of God. And then there's, there's the you and the, and the challenge, the voices, the many voices that would say, God is not coming. You're going to die. And let's put that on you for a second. You are not going to get to do the job you dreamt of doing. You're not going to have the family you're going to you were, were promised to have. Have you ever heard that voice? Have you ever heard a weird dialogue inside of you? I'm going to be just like my dad. I'm not smart enough to do that thing I thought I was going to do. That's a voice. That's that's something in there. But then you counter it. You go, no, 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 no. My mom did so many good things. I can do it just like she did. Or you say, no, 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 my dad, he, he kept going. Like, he, I can be like him. And if you're a Christian, you go, well, well, I'm like Jesus promised. Like, I've got power. 
just like all of my forefathers did. You have this, this war. But the war doesn't start until the pause happens. And so I see David standing on a mountain in the wilderness, remembering the promise, afraid for his life. And he looks off into the sky, and he remembers the story of Elijah. He remembers that Elijah looked, and there was a cloud that started to move. And, and that cloud that started to move was the promise to Elijah that God, the God of creation, was going to step down. His hand was going to reach down into the earth and touch tangible, real things, not, not metaphorical, spiritual analogies. He was actually going to go affect the circumstances and deliver the people and make his promise come true. And so David has the moment where he says, I have to see you, God. Step in and touch my circumstance. Otherwise, this can't be real. But before he says, otherwise, this can't be real, he just says, I have to see you, God. He sees a cloud start to turn. He, he sees a cloud start to turn, and he feels a breeze. Remember, he's on the top of a hill, and he looks, and it's, it's God. I know that's God. I know that's God. And he sees the cloud start to move, and it goes, and it goes, and it goes. And then it turns and pulls right back up, and it's gone. The breeze stops, and there's a moment. And then like a rushing wave, like a huge crowd that starts to wake up, all this noise starts to, it's like it, it just starts, and like all this noise, but it's not good noise. It's the rush of his soul. It's all those voices. And see, this is the moment where I feel like David earned the right to write this song. Because if he's like me or he's like you, he had to go through this one, two, fifty, eighty times. He had to go through the God, I can't go on without you. You have to step in and show me that you're going to fulfill the promises in my life. How many times did David have that dialogue, but then that noise starts coming? And the noise, guys, is the soul. The noise are the voices that aren't in alignment with what God has promised you. The noise are the distractions of your friends that don't believe the same things you believe about your destiny. The noises are the condemnation that comes in your ear and says, this is not going to work out. Because, guys, think about this for a minute. David could have at any time just taken off. He's hiding in the wilderness, but he's still in Israel. He could have just kept going and lived on the coast. <laughs> There's nice beaches out there, too. Just go, go. Just keep going. But I feel like there is, there's that moment, and, and I feel like David wins, because David, he's faced with the silence, the, the retracting cloud of God, where God disappoints, where the manifestation of the promise isn't fulfilled. And David takes a deep breath, and he says, God, I trust you. Instead of agreeing with the voices in my soul that would say, this is unacceptable, I'm believing in a God who is trustworthy. Because the image that David gives us is that my soul is like a weaned child. A baby that's not weaned needs milk from its mom all the time. That's how it eats. It's kind of a wild little creature. It, it's unruly. It, it does what it needs and only it needs. It couldn't care less about its dad. <laughs> I know that from experience. Like, it, it's just, it's all about itself. It's 100% about itself. And we don't look at an infant and go, well, you, that's terrible. You have bad character. <laughs> you are such a bad seed. You, 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 go, you go, oh, he's just a baby. It's cool. They'll, they'll grow out of it. But David says, my soul is like a baby that, I, that has been weaned. Do you wean a baby with saying, oh, no more milk? And then the next time it cries, you're like, we talked about it. Like, <laughs> good luck. We're going to eat steak for dinner. You know, have at it. <laughs> Your kid won't learn. I'm doing fine. Oh, it's a process. 
It's slow. They got to grow up. It takes years, right, for a child to be dependent on only itself, independent, if you will, not. Le- the soul can be that way. You're telling me there's this, con- this, this combination of life substance in me that I got from my dad and my mom, my grandma and my grandpa, my pastors growing up, my friends when I was younger, like all the stuff that's in there. You're telling me that thing can be unruly? You're telling me that thing could be contrary to God and his promise for my life? Oh, yeah. I mean, bad. I mean, really bad. I mean, like, scandal on TV bad. Like, the worst kind of bad. The soul can be unruly. It can totally take you off the tracks at any time. And guys, all of us have been subject to that. Two hands here. Two hands there. Yeah, I know you. Like, like 0%, never seen in my life. But no, like everybody in the room, like everyone in the room, seriously, like it's bad. Like when we accept Christ into our heart, we're saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to take residence in that pool of all kinds of stuff. And he's glad to jump in, but it's all in there. And it's a process of silencing the soul quieting it, allowing it to take second chair to the lead, which is the Holy Spirit in our heart. Big process, big commitment, long-term patience, perseverance, humility, all those things. Like That's what life is like for everybody, for everybody. No one's exempt from it. And if you want to be really aggressive, you look at the Bible characters because they were the worst of the worst. David, by the way, killed people without guns. Like, he, he, he knew violence. Does that affect your soul? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a soldier and went to war, had to kill people or saw people die, does it affect you? Absolutely. Is it wrong that it affects you? No. It affected them dramatically. It affects you. You're human. That's how we're constructed. We're supposed to be deeply touched and, and moved by life. And so David has this, this really aggressive cocktail that he has to quiet down. And I feel like when he was out there on that mountain and he was remembering the promise of God over his life, he was faced with that, that question again, how curious is this God? Will I ever lay hands on the sick and see them healed? Will I ever see my father saved? Will I ever get to do the things I've dreamt of for my whole life. He's asking those questions, and he sees God retract, and this is what he says. God, I'm not going to think about things that are bigger than me. I don't understand. I'm not going to let this thing take over this moment. I'm quieting it down like a little child. And it's not going to control me, God. And instead of this soul crying out, saying again, where are you? I'm going to declare that you're trustworthy and that you're good. See, David earned the right to write a very short psalm. Because he had moments like those. Where he came face to face with the God who almost touched down. Because guys, if you're anything like me, you have promises in your life. And God will touch you just enough to keep you going. And you're like, he is like, why? I don't ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm supposed to be better. This is supposed to be better. This is, where are you? Ah. I want two things to happen from this day. I want you to be reminded that no matter what you're doing today, God's dreams for you are more abundant than where you're at, not because you're failing, but because that's who he is. And that's the nature of the seeds that he puts in us. They're rich. Throughout the worship service, I kept hearing over and over, great are the mercies of a loving father. And so when God puts dreams in you, so often the thing that cancels or disqualifies those dreams in our hearts and minds are our failures or the delay 
the reasons, whatever they are between now and they just didn't, haven't happened yet. But you have to remember the mercies of God are rich. They're endless. They're new every day. And so that applies to you. And so I, I want to challenge you guys. Pick up some dreams. And we're going to take some time at the end here to pick up some dreams again. They should be tangible. They should be exciting. They should remind you of a, a version of you that you could only see if God empowered you to be that person. See, the thing about the soul, it's powerful enough not just to derail us, it's powerful enough to dominate our entire life. And we become convinced that following the path of the soul that's not weaned is in fact following the best plan for my life. I'm going to throw a word in here, logic. Following a logical, sensible, tangible path. If I'm going to get to the back of this room, I'm going to walk right through here. That's a, that's a reasonable plan for my life. So sometimes when, when the soul that's so loud and so wild, if you think of your parents on their wildest day, multiply it times your grandparents, and then throw a little bit of your terrible and worst friends in there, that's in there. That's in there. That thing's like, you're going to listen to me. I don't care what the book of Leviticus says. You don't understand it anyway. We're going we're gonna to do this because we want to get to that door. And you're like, ah. Like, and what you end up doing is surrounding yourself with people that you go, look, look, I think I should just go right there. Look. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. And you say, what about you? Have you gone there? Yeah. See, I got confirmation. Two or more witnesses. I'm going here. It's all your soul. It's all your soul. And God's like, ah, look at the little baby go. He's doing fine. He's good. I love that kid. But at the end of your life, you could be in a position where you look back and go, wow, my soul was loud. Whoa, that thing was unruly. I ended up looking a whole lot like the folks I didn't think I was going to look like. And guys, there's a positive side too, right? All that inheritance stuff I'm, I'm, I'm alluding to, there's rich, rich deposits that God had in store for each parent, each grandparent. And if they were only soul-driven, sometimes that stuff gets... The good stuff gets to land right in your lap, and you get multiplied versions of the good. So it's not about villainizing anyone that, that made my cocktail hard to swallow, right? So the soul is strong. It's loud. It's powerful. But oftentimes, guys, 99% of the time, the ultimate life, the ultimate intention of God for you has to do with the silencing of the soul. Not silencing of logic. Don't confuse that. Remember, mind, will, emotions. That whole mechanism, that whole thing that's designed to protect you and keep you in safe places, making it subject to, not getting rid of, but making it subject to the spirit of God that's living within you. Because that spirit is the thing that would allow us to be like Christ. When Christ says something like, I only do what I see my Father in heaven doing, he's saying, look, I'm, lead, I'm being led by the spirit of God. How can he see what the Father in heaven is doing? Because the Spirit of God is connected to that place. He's in tune with it. He's not saying, well, you know, three times three is nine. So if I do that and then divide it by a milkshake, I'll be there. Like it doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Education systems are awesome. You should do them. I've done them. A lot of, I got a lot of school time under my belt. But those degrees don't necessarily equate to God's ultimate intention for your life. They're oftentimes a piece of the puzzle. Don't drop out of school. Not one of you. Not one of you. Get another degree. But do it, do it with the Spirit of God leading you. It's a totally different ballgame. David eventually became king. He eventually led the nation. Even towards the end of his reign, the fulfillment of his promises, he was still warring with that soul thing, right? Knocks up a lady that belongs to another guy. Yeah, that's a soul move. We've all done them. Hopefully not. That's an extreme example, and I love that God put that in there. It's us. 
You say, oh, he could never be used. He went to prison. <laughs> Come on, guys, read the Bible. That's stupid. Um, all right, so I want, to awaken, I want to awaken your expectations for yourself. If your expectations for yourself are only partnered with the soul side of you and not with the miraculous, wonder-working God who created all this and created you with a purpose, you're just going to miss out a little bit. You might just end up being a little too childlike, childish, not childlike, childish, when God wants you to be an awesome, awesome warrior, leader, king, all those things. The other thing I'm going to challenge you guys to do is acknowledge the, the volume of your soul. And volume, not volume like size, volume like, like loudness. Because if you're anything like me and you live in the Bay Area and you have an iPhone and you have a computer and you have a TV and you have a, I got the Amazon pad thing, I've got that. I've got, I used to have an Xbox, I have uh, a job. I've got a wife, I've got a bike, I've got a surfboard. I also have a motorcycle, dirt bike. I've got a very long list of things I can do and I can distract myself with. Okay, so someday I'll come back and I'll talk about, oh, God wants you to have like the fulfillment of your heart and, and do all the good things that are in your heart because God's a God of fun. He is. 100% agree with that. The other side is, is your soul so loud and so uncomfortable with God because you're somewhere between here and here that your entire life is filled up with noise because you can't bear the quiet moments with God where you, all you want to do is scream at him. It's way down in there. Very few of us do it. But there's something way down in there for most of us that just we've gotten really, really quiet our expectations for our interactions with God are very, very low. We feel like there's people called prophets that hear from God, and there's pastors that have insight, and I'm like somewhere else. I'm just another person that needs to receive from those people because I'm, I, I don't have a connection. with. I can't hear from him. He won't talk to me. I try to talk to him about my problems, and he won't say anything back. He definitely doesn't fix them. That's noise. It's not God not speaking. It's volume. You guys remember Elijah, and he goes and he fights all the prophets, and then he looks out and he goes, you know, God, where are you? And God, there's like the, uh, uh, see, I'm having one of my scripture moments. There's the, the thunderstorm. Come on, Bible teacher, what is it? Fire, the wind, and then the whisper. What, right? Earthquake. Such a good teacher up here, right? <laughs> you get the students can help you. It's good. No, but, but Elijah's like, where are you? And he gives him this huge earthquake, and he's like, I'm not there. There's a fire. I'm not there. And wind, I'm not there. And then he whispers. He whispers. Well, you can't hear God if, if your soul is screaming at all times. If that inner, inner person is so uncomfortable that when he goes to whisper, it just sounds like background noise. And you say, well, you're different. You hear from God differently. No, 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 no. It's loud, guys. It's loud every day. I have to make a commitment to quieting it down. I got to make a commitment. And like this phone, this phone is awesome. I'm sure you guys work in tech or whatever. It's awesome, but you got to find ways to disconnect. You, you have to, you, ha you can't be tethered to anything but the Holy Spirit. You can engage with everything in life, and you should do it wholeheartedly, but you're always tethered to the Holy Spirit because there's no sin in technology. There's no sin in television. There's no sin in those things. The sin is when you're not tethered to the Holy Spirit so that when he says, hey, 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 you don't, you don't catch it. You miss it because he whispers. He never forces himself on us. And so some of you guys, you're at the stage where you say, well, God's never spoken to me. Because you're confused. You're thinking God speaks to you in earthquakes, wind, fire. He gets really loud, so loud that everything else has to stop. And he shows up in a, you know, Halloween costume. He's like, I'm God. <laughs> if that's the expectation, that's not the pattern that God has shown us. He's done it. He does it with angels. He does it. He, he can show up. He can do those things. But if that's the way he has to force himself into your life because your soul is so loud, 
it's going to take a really long time and it may never happen. You may end up finding yourself relying on your soul to get through life, your best guess, your best expectations, because he never spoke to me. The truth is he's, he's always whispering. Always. 100% of the time. Sometimes they'll tell me, go watch the football game. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> See, that was him. And he agrees. Like the soul, like sometimes we're confused. Like he'll never let me do what I want to do. Like there's this weird battle. He's really awesome. Let's keep it simple. He's super awesome. Two things. One, I'm going to raise my expectations because I'm going to partner with the seed that God planted in my heart. Two, I'm going to silence my soul. Make it like a wean child. He gets to play and have fun. We get to run and do all the amazing things. But we also are under control. We're also hearing the voice of the Spirit louder than the voice of everything else that comes after me. And guys, I, I hope that you've been provoked. I hope that you've, you've caught. There's a lot of depth in that soul conversation. There's a lot of depth in the idea that my parents and my family and all are a construct of who I am. There's, there's a lot of places you can get confused and lost. So the simple truth is when Christ comes into our heart, he makes all things new. And it's up to us to continue to pursue the presence of God, the, the whisper of God, the relationship with the Holy Spirit in order to get further and further from the life that's dominated by other voices, whatever those voices are. And there's nothing that's strong enough to keep you from God's plan for you. Nothing. There's nothing. No sin, no failure, nothing. Mm, all right, close our eyes. Let's, 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 let's take a minute. Let's take a minute. So when you get to a point where, oh, you are here. Look at these guys sneaking in now. You can open your eyes. Look at them. Look at this. Look at this. I was trying to talk to them earlier, and they weren't even here. They're here now. Um, all right, close your eyes. You, when, when you get to a point where your soul gets quieter, there's not like a perfect place of peace or like uh, enlightenment that you're going to arrive at and then all of a sudden you're going to have an ability to connect with God on a de deeper level. It's all about progress. It's all about being childlike. And it's all about becoming more and more like Christ and finding yourself in a relationship with Jesus relationship with the Holy Spirit. Push, pull, honest, but I'm, I'm always endeavoring to do a little bit more, to engage a little bit deeper. But you'll find yourself, when you have moments of, of quiet like this, you actually begin to look forward to them. But that's not true for most of us. And it's not true all the time, even for those of us who do like this stuff. Life gets hectic sometimes, and you should never feel shame because you haven't been able to connect with God or hear from God. You should never feel shame. There's nothing wrong with you. God loves you. He wants to speak to you, and he'll never stop persisting and pursuing you. He loves you so much. So we're going to take a moment. I'm going to ask these guys to play something instrumental for a minute, and then we'll do some worship after that. I just want you guys to acknowledge the volume that's in your ears. Try to quiet it down. Just tell it to be quiet. I want to I think about the dreams God has for my life. I want to think about the miracles I'm going to work. I want to think about the perfect job he has in mind for me. And for some of you, he's actually going to let you see him.
I just want to share with you guys um, something that I saw to uh, let you know what's going on in here um, and to give you some boldness to move forward in what Vince was talking about. During worship, well, I asked Vince, actually, all day yesterday and today, what are you speaking about? He said, oh, David. So I really didn't know what he was talking about. And then I saw something during worship, and I get it, God. Um, During worship, I saw this line of angels standing up here, and they all pulled out uh, these swords. So I I thought, oh, whoa, warfare is going on here. (laughs) Something intense is going to happen. And then they began to dance with them, almost as people use flags and streamers um, to worship and to dance for the Lord. And so these swords are waving, and they start going in this beautiful choreography with their hands and their legs, and it was so beautiful. And as Vince was speaking, God just said, I'm doing it for them. Sometimes we have to... We, I'm, I'm really learning this now, but growing up, I thought that I, would, I had to war so heavily against things. Um, I have lots of generational yuck <laughs> stuff. And so I, I spent the majority of my life with God feeling like I had to engage in this warfare um, to make my life better, or to, be, to, to reach the fulfillment of what was spoken over me when I was a young girl. And so I fought, and I fought, and I fought. And um, sometimes I felt breakthrough, but most of the time I felt frustration because I felt like I was doing all of the right things and speaking in tongues, having people pray for me, whatever that may be in your life. Um, the heart of it is good while you're doing it. But what's here today is really special. And if you're bold enough to make that step in your heart and your soul saying, okay, God, I quiet down. And I want you to come and intercept what's been going on for so long. And whether it's generational or whether it's something that you feel like you just stepped into, that thing is here. And he's doing it for you. And the beautiful thing about it is with him, it's effortless. I'm not, and sometimes it feels like it's miraculous, and one day you can come to the altar and it feels like everything's gone and, and things are lifted. And then sometimes the process of that lifting starts, and you'll experience it in waves through years, but it's always, like, good, and it's always him. So today these angels are here, and they have their swords out, but they're worshiping, and it's celebratory because they know who wins And so I just encourage you guys to either continue on that journey or to start it because there's something that's really special here. And it's really powerful. And things are going to be lifted off of you guys today. And a lot of you are going to leave changed. And so, God, we just... We thank you that you're a good, good God. God, we thank you that you have a whole army of angels with their swords drawn because they know exactly what needs to happen today. And that, God, sometimes you bring this grace, and if we're bold enough to just step under that blanket of grace, we just get to experience the good. And we get to experience everything that you have for us in this moment and the wrestling and the fighting and and the war that seems that has been so loud. It quiets God. And so, God, we thank you for that grace that's here today. If we can just be so bold to come and step under it and to trust you, that, God, things are going to be broken off of us today. And the areas of our souls that have been screaming for as long as we could remember, they're going to stop today. And they're going to be quiet. And God, we're going to hear you in that one place that we've been waiting for. I want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. I, we're going to start a worship song. I want you guys to, whatever song you guys want to choose. But um, we're going to have a chance to worship. And if you guys want, 
feel like you need to make a tangible step and come forward and just stand up here and worship. You're, you're invited to. You don't, you don't have to. But we just want to extend our hearts to God and say, God, I want to take a new step. I want this to be a new day. I want this to be the beginning of a new season where, Lord, you are guiding and directing me in a way that's so much more tangible, so much more real. I have so much more trust in you. If you really want to make a new commitment to that, I just want to encourage you guys, once we start worshiping and, and we all stand, to just make your way up or do it, do it in your seats. But spend some time pouring your heart out to God, reminding him, God, I, I want to go with you. I want to run with you. I want to do all the things you've dreamt of for my life.